The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So, welcome to our 2019 Back to Basics, uh, Part 2. Such a wonderful opportunity to study and deepen in this teaching that blesses all faiths, draws from the deep mystic truths at the heart of all faiths, and seeks to provide us with a practical template for how to live our lives in a masterful way. And this is a wonderful deepening journey for those of you who are familiar with the teaching, and yet at the same time, uh, for those of you who are new, oh, I'm so grateful, so glad you are here, because this stuff is life-transforming and will pattern and bless the rest of your days. And it's that valuable. Uh, reminded of the story of the uh, mother superior who was on her deathbed and, and all of the monks or, and the nuns, they just clustered around her and they were tending to her every need. And at one point she said, may I have some more milk to sip on? And so one of the nuns went into the kitchen and, and poured some milk. And then she happened to remember that uh, a couple of Christmases ago, somebody had gifted the convent with a, a bottle of brandy. And she looked in the cabinet and found it and opened it and poured a very healthy <laughs> amount of it into the milk and, and brought it to Mother Superior. And Mother Superior took a sip and mm, took another sip and some more sips. And before long, she'd finished it all off. And then the, the nuns gathered around and said, Oh, Mother, Mother, before you leave us... Please give us your wisdom. Please give us some wisdom. And the lady raised herself up, and with a saintly look on her face, she pointed toward the window. And she said, Don't ever sell that cow. (laughs) Now, in, in just such a way, we value something that is so precious to us. And I hold that with this teaching, that it offers us deepest of insights, great empowerment, fulfillment, and incredible joy. So last week we got started, and the message title was The Thing Itself, which is a phrase that our founder, Ernest Holmes, often used to name the infinite oneness. He called it the thing itself. Some people call it God or spirit or the beloved or source or creator or infinite mind, infinite love many, many different names, and ultimately this thing itself is beyond all names. But Dr. Holmes helped us to understand that the great wisdom teachings are trying to help us realize that this is the only life there is, that there's only one life that creates and enlivens and evolves all of creation. All of creation not only emerges out of this one life, this love, this intelligence, but lives within it at this very time. And then we continued on to realize, well, then that redefines us, that we must be made of this one life. There's the only thing there is. It is all there is, ultimately. And this invisible yet ultimately real life is pouring forth its being in the form of you and me, and thus we are fundamentally spiritual beings, spiritual beings, and that we live within spirit. We are created of spirit. We are expressing spirit. We often call this the I am of us, the spiritual essence of us uh, that transcends the mind, the body, the emotions. There's the I am you, the spiritual you, which is one with the infinite love and intelligence, the life of God. Thus you are a spiritual being. And what this tells us is that no one of us is a mistake. You're not an accident. The divine does not make mistakes. 
You are here to rediscover who you are and to let your light shine and to bring forth the unique gifts that the divine has planted in the idea known as you. And the abundance of the universe is right here at the center of your life. And so today then we go uh, deeper into this and our topic is the way it works, the way the science of mind and spirit works. And there are certain keys that will help us understand that. And the first is that creation moves from invisible reality to visible form. All right? So everything moves from the invisible realm into the visible. And what happens in the invisible realm is that ideas come together. And those ideas are like seeds that then bring forth the form within them, much as a seed holds all the potential But it's inert. But then when it's planted, what's within it can come forth. So everything begins as an idea in mind. Whether it's the divine mind, the divine knower, or in your mind. Everything begins as an idea. Thus we are understanding that ultimately thought is creative. To understand this, we look at how things are phrased in the Bible. For instance, in Genesis, in in one of the creation stories, it says that God said, let there be... Let there be heaven and an earth. Let there be a firmament between the heavens. Let there be a day and a night, and, and etc., etc. The divine said, let there be such and such, and there was, and it was good and very good. That phrase, let there be, symbolizes that the divine had the idea of that which was to be first. And then a power took that idea and brought it into form. All right? Now, most people didn't get that power part of it. They just realized, all right, God said, let there be commanded that something that wasn't should be, beginning as an idea. Anything that you enjoy in your life was first an idea. If you winnow it down, everything begins as an idea. In your life, in our human life, on this planet, as well as in the universe, all thought is creative. Also, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was of God, and nothing was created except by the Word, we're talking about that power of the divine to proclaim into being that which it decides to be. So everything begins as an idea first and becomes a thing secondarily. And our founder said, we believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind, which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. So the way we've conceived it, It's very much like a seed holding the idea. The soil operates on it, and then the result is the plant. And that happens everywhere throughout the universe. There's idea, there's a creative power that works on that idea, and then there's the form of that idea, that idea in form. All right? Idea, creative power, resulting form. Happening everywhere in the universe. So everything is actually twice created. It's created first in mind as an idea, which is its primary creation, and then secondly, in form or in in experience. And so I like to say thought thickens into things. Dr. Holmes says thoughts are things. I like to think thought just congeals and thickens and manifests as things. So that's the uh, first key to understand. Now, the science of mind and spirit is really the study of spiritual principles and laws at the spiritual level. And, And the second key 
is that we understand that there is a law of mind within all things. And within all ideas, there is a law of mind that is moving to bring that idea into its corresponding form. So we have to understand that there's an omnipresent, everywhere present power or law that is taking ideas and moving them into reality, into form, into things, into stuff, into universes, into cells. All of it being brought forth out of ideas. So there's this invisible love intelligence, if we're getting the hang of this. And there is this all-powerful law, which are all aspects of the divine. The thinking mind, the designing mind, the power to produce, and then what it creates. Now, that same law that creates the ideas, that forms the ideas of the divine, works on your thought and mine as well. And we'll talk more about that a little later. But your believed thought is a powerful thing because there's a greater power working with it. Our founder said, there's a power for good in the universe, greater than you are, and you can use it. Just like the soil is a great power to produce. If you'll plant the seeds, it'll produce the harvest. It'll produce the harvest. In the Bible, uh, it says, as you have believed, so shall it be done unto you. Why is it? Because there's a law that operates upon your believing. As a man thinks it in his heart, so is he. It's written, you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. Meaning you have the power to say, let there be. And if you can believe it, the power will work on that and bring it forth. And when Jesus, in describing how to pray, he said, when you pray, believe that you have received, and you shall receive. Understanding that it's very important in our prayers that we believe them. And our belief through the law is what allows it to manifest in our lives. Uh, The Buddha says, all that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make our world. And Dr. Holmes simply said, change your thinking and change your life. So we're beginning to understand that the divine is this loving intelligence everywhere present. And at the same time, a powerful mechanical law that takes whatever is designed in mind as an idea and produces it in form. All right, so now... The third key is the way it works. And this is the exciting part. The way it works is that it shows us how to become the living embodiment of our dreams by transforming our consciousness. It shows us how to become the living embodiment of our dreams by transforming our consciousness. So the work we do around here in this teaching is to continually seek to enhance the quality of of our believing, our deep bottom line believing and acceptance about ourselves, about our prospects, about our dreams, about our world. That we're never done evolving our believing. And as we evolve that, we know there's a power in the universe that reflects our believing back to us. All right? That there's that something always reflecting that back to us. And this deep believing in you and me is what we call our consciousness. Now, your consciousness is not just what you're thinking right now and your surface thoughts, the thoughts you've thought this day. Really, your consciousness is even more powerfully what you've agreed to over time. What you believe without giving it a second thought, most of it held in your subconscious. That is your consciousness. And consciousness is cause in our life. And so as we change our thinking, we begin to adjust and and enhance our consciousness. 
And the law mirrors that back to us. The law responds to us, just like the soil has to grow whatever seeds it's given. If we present a new consciousness to the universal law, it grows it into the harvest of our lives. And so we get to take responsibility and stop blaming other stuff for what's going on. It's like the teenage boy who brought home his report card to his parents, and it was not good news. (laughs) And his father read it and shook his head. And the young man leaned back and he said, So what do you think it is, Dad? Heredity or environment? (laughs) Well, actually, it's something a little more powerful even than those two. Ultimately, it's our consciousness, which is also our livingness. So in the science of mind and spirit, it's not so much about changing people. It's not about changing things, changing situations in our life. The science of mind and spirit is about changing and evolving ourselves. And most fundamentally, changing our consciousness. Because the overall tendencies and patterns of our life are our consciousness being reflected back to us. The good news is we can change and evolve our consciousness now and ongoingly. And see our lives be harmonized and prospered ongoingly as well. And what good news that is. And so uh, we're learning basically how to think correctly. Understanding that the direction of our thought, along with the energy of our feeling, creates the consciousness that's running our life. The content of your thought and the energy of your feeling is creating the consciousness that is running your life. Your thoughts and your feelings are in charge. That's perhaps why it says in the Bible, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. One other last phrase from Dr. Holmes. To learn how to think is to learn how to live. A person by thinking can bring into their experience whatsoever they desire if they can think correctly and become a living embodiment of their thoughts. So that's what this teaching does. It shows us how to become a living embodiment of our dreams by transforming our consciousness. So let's get to work on that. Today we have three more I am empowerment practices. Had three last week. I am this week stands for intending, affirming, and manifesting. Start with intending. Always we are called as creative beings to think beyond what is. To think beyond limitations, to think beyond what's going on in our life, to think beyond what seems to be so rigid and in place, and dream a bigger dream. All progress for humanity has required that we set an intention and empower a bigger idea. So I want to ask you, what's your bigger idea for 2019? I'm not talking about the resolutions, the diets, all that stuff, uh, which are maybe already a thing of the past. (laughs) But I'm talking about your intentions to reflect upon your journey to this precious moment of now and to ask, what am I about? What's seeking to emerge? And more than anything, to ask, what do I want to give myself to? in this year? 
What do I want to become and what do I want to give myself to? And to set that intention and to set it and, and to choose it and to seize upon it no matter what the limitations are, no matter what the naysayers might be around you or within you, but to set that higher intention, to dream a bigger dream for yourself. So creation begins with an idea embraced as an intention, intending. Secondly, there is affirming. Now, affirming is so much more than blithely tossing off a few affirmations because those affirmations, if they don't have your feeling and don't have your conviction, they're lifeless. So affirming is to take a high intention and to energize it in our feeling. To so be with that idea that we feel it. We feel grateful for it. We feel that we are it. We're taking it in. We're feeling its reality. We're aligning and connecting with that reality. And we're feeling it such that when we declare it, it comes from our hearts. It comes from our feeling. This is tantamount to taking the intention from head to heart to that dimension of feeling. Joe Dispenza, a wonderful teacher of the mechanics of thought and healing, he studied the spontaneous remission phenomenon in a number of people who had catastrophic illnesses, and he found four similarities in them. Number one, they believed that there's a divine element or intelligence within them that knows far more than they did. So they aligned with that greater mind. Secondly, they accepted that their lousy thinking had something to do with their predicament. Thirdly, they determined to reinvent themselves, to embrace change and to ask, what is my great idea for myself? It's a great question for this year, isn't it? What is my great idea for myself? And they went about reinventing it. And fourthly, they rehearsed and became totally involved in their new idea, in the change process, often losing track of space and time, and they're entering into a deep conviction state. And so you see, they coalesced the idea, and then they practiced it, they rehearsed it, they took it into their feelings. And that's what we do in this teaching, is we think creatively, and then we embody it. We make it a part of us, we feel it. We make it real within us. A little boy was dragged out of his schoolhouse many years ago as it was engulfed in flames. And he was burned terribly. At the hospital, uh, the doctors told his mother uh, quietly off to the side, it'd, it'd be better if he died. His burns are so terrible. But he heard that. And he set the intention in that very moment that he would survive. A couple of months later, as they were working with him, the doctors also pulled the mom aside and said, uh, he'll never walk. And he heard that and he set the intention that he would indeed walk. And he told his mother, I don't buy that. I will walk. And so the mom agreed with him and she supported him. She even massaged his legs every night. One day they rolled him in a wheelchair out to the grassy lawn at this rehab center. And, and he pushed himself when no one was looking out of the wheelchair and he fell on the ground and then he crawled over to a fence, a white picket fence, and he pulled himself up on that fence and he started dragging himself along that fence. And he did this every day that he could until he actually wore a rut in the grass right beside the fence until eventually that young man walked. And he didn't even stop there. 
Then he ran. And he didn't even stop there. He found the sheer joy in running. And later on in his life, this wonderful guy would run the world's fastest mile in Madison Square Garden. And his name, Dr. Glenn Cunningham. And his picture is on the screen. Intention and affirmation with feeling. Somebody has said only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. Intending and affirming and then manifesting. Now manifesting is not just sitting around waiting for good stuff to show up in your life or good stuff to fall from the sky. A whole lot of folks do that and get frustrated. Actually, there's an initial manifesting that's all important. It is living it. It is living your intention. It is presencing with your every thought, word, and action your dream consistently and congruently. Manifesting that dream as you, as you go into the world, you are a living, walking expression of your intention. You are congruently thinking it, believing it, affirming it, and nothing else enters in there. You're entirely consistent. You have manifested it in all that you present and express in your life. And I tell you what, as surely as you do that, which is the ultimate of your intending and affirming, and you manifest it in that, the law that I'm talking about in the universe has to go into action to produce your intention in form, to lead you, to guide you, to bring it about into your life. It has to. If you'll trust it that much, if you'll embrace and embody your dream that much, that you no longer speak in ways that deny it or limit it, that you no longer have actions that are out of alignment with it, but you're totally consistent. The universe has to produce it. It's a seed in action through you. When I uh, was getting ready to go to college, I chose, graduated here at Wheat Ridge, and I chose to go to DU. But I was scared about that um, for a number of reasons. So I went to my beloved mentor, uh, Dr. Fred Vogt, um, our minister emeritus in memoriam, and I said, Fred, I'm excited to go to college, but I'm afraid. I said, because I know that my parents can't afford the tuition. I know they can't. They can't afford four years of this. Um, And I don't know what I'm going to do. And and they've said that the only way this will work is if I find a way to pay for my room and board and books. They'll do their best to take care of it. And I don't know how I'm going to do that. So Fred just smiled and he says, well, Raj, you've got a wonderful opportunity to practice this teaching that you (laughs) intend to impart. You have a wonderful opportunity here. He said, so here's what you've got to do. You can't look at all the limitations and give them energy. You've got to set an intention and you've got to practice knowing it is done, that the universe has the ways and means to provide you if you can believe. And then you've got to go forth and you've got to be it and you've got to live it and you can't be a double-minded person. Because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You cannot sabotage yourself. You've got to know it, you've got to believe it, and you've got to live it. You ready to do that? And I said, well, okay, Fred. <laughs> so I went to college. And who'd, who'd have imagined what would happen? Like, who'd have imagined that one night I'd go out for some pizza with some friends and wander into a Shakey's Pizza Parlor and leave with a high-paying banjo-playing job that... <laughs> paid me more in a week than I could have earned in a month working 40 hours a week. 
and paid for all my room and board and books and then some. Who'd have, who'd have believed? Out of the blue, this came into my life. And then at the end of my first trimester at DU, I get a letter from the university saying, you've been awarded a half-tuition scholarship and all payment for your books. Out of the blue. I love the blue. <laughs> Do you love the blue? Because the blue is believing life uplifts everything. Say that with me. Believing life uplifts everything. You believe it. All this great stuff can come forth in your life. And I'm getting ready to step into a new chapter. And I'm hanging out in the blue as I step into that. And I know Mile High Church is too. Because we're believing that life uplifts everything. Why? Because we say so. And we live so. I'll tell you that uh, there was a time when I first came back here to be senior minister. And uh, the church was somewhat fragile, um, and Fred was retiring. And I was ready and raring to go, and I had a lot of support. But there was a certain cadre of folks sort of sitting in the background saying, well, it'll never be the same without Fred, you know. And him, uh, he's too young, you know, he's this, he's that. And I want to pause here and say that in, in the Bible, Jesus said, the poor you shall always have with you. And he doesn't mean that we'll always have poverty because he was the ultimate teacher of consciousness. So what he was saying is, the poor in consciousness you're always going to have with you. And so, yeah, there was this little group, weak in consciousness, who are playing this game of... of doubting and skeptical and, and all of that. But it was the strong in consciousness. God bless them. A few of you are still among them who gathered around me and said, let's go for it. And we stabilized this place and then we got going and growing. And I tell you what, growing incredibly so much that at some point we said, let's build that community center. And of course there were a few a week in consciousness that said, yeah, well, last time we tried a building project, all we did was create a bigger parking lot. But the great in consciousness said, let's go for it. Let's make it a reality. And we did. And we built it and paid for it in a year. And then we said, let's bring in new offices. And people said, oh, yeah, what? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but we did it. And then we said, let's build this sanctuary. And the, and the weak in consciousness said, well, that's too big. And oh, I don't like it. Da, da, da. But the, the strong in consciousness always makes something happen. They always make something happen. Or are you? My Light Church is entering into a new chapter. And I know that I and the strong in consciousness here are declaring that it is going to be a supreme success. Why? Because we say so. And we're going to live it. And we're going to make it happen. That's why it will happen. You see, there's no foreordained reality. It's not like the divine already has decided. It's like the soil. The soil is going to grow what we give it. What are we going to give it? Let me tell you another story. There was a time when 
when, when I first started going to Mount High Church, we were in, the, in a theater called the Lake Ridge Theater over on uh, Wadsworth, a little bit north of Colfax. And it was one of those one-screen theaters, very big. It held about 500, and we were consistently filling it. And we had to, it had its, its drawbacks because we had to send our kids on a city bus over to a nursery school for their junior church. And then it would bring them back for their parents to pick them up. And we had to hold classes in other places. And, and, that, and, and our, our pulpit and our organ were on wheels and we had to wheel them off so they could show movies in our church at the time. And, then, and, and we had these long things of blue fabric that covered the concession stand and we set up our bookstore, but we had to set it up and take it down every day, every Sunday. And finally, it led Fred, Dr. Fred, on one Christmas to say, what I want under my Christmas tree is a church. And the strong and conscious said, let's go for it, Fred. It's time. The weakened consciousness came around him, and, and I remember this. They said, Fred, let's not do that. There's this three-story office building across the parking lot from this theater. Let's buy that. You can hold junior church in there. You can hold classes in there. You can have your offices in there. And we've got a cushy thing going. Let's do that. Little did they know that about five years later, they'd mow down that theater and replace it with what's there now. And Fred said, no way. We're going to build a church. And we built it. The strong in consciousness built this church, that church over there, and put us on the map in this, in this city. You see, it's the strong in consciousness that believe in the invisible, and they aff- intend it, they affirm it, and they live it. And they don't settle for anything less. It's the strong in consciousness that are not quasi-metaphysicians, that take it in intellectually, but then hedge their bets and, and don't really live it. No, we're about being a quantum metaphysician. It's like getting down to it this year. See, I'm calling us out. Let, 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 let's get beyond excuses and alibis in our lives. Let's get beyond hesitancy and, and holding back. Let's get beyond negativity and skepticism and gossip and pettiness and all that stuff. We're too busy. We got too much to do personally and individually. I invite you into the strong of consciousness because I want your life to work. And if you just play games with this stuff, it's not going to. Then you go away and say, well, why doesn't it work for me? You've got to work it. I'm calling us out of mediocrity and living this stuff because it's the best thing. But you've got to be rigorous with yourself. You've got to have a bigger idea. You've got to feel it and take it into your heart, and then you've got to live it, 100% live it, and align with others who are living it. And then you'll go forward into greatness, and I know you will. So now is the time, and let's go for it in our lives. There's no accident you're here. Now, you can get upset at me and leave and call me names if you want, but I'm talking to you. I'm on a short tether anywhere. I don't care what you think. But I love you. I love you, and I love what this is about. But I know, after all my years, I know this stuff works if we get clear and we don't play games with ourselves. We call ourselves out of some of the old habits, out of that weakness in consciousness and into our greatness. That's when we know how blessed we are, how much life supports us, and how profoundly we can grow and be. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720 230 1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.